What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You're listening to a Rare Drop podcast. Check us out at raredrop.co. is freshly roasted and ethically sourced it's music to your ears shake up the way you wake up the king's coast coffee.com hey everyone and welcome to the Andor roundtable uh, i'm your host tim aka darkness 429 and i am joined by some awesome content creators and uh people who know a lot more about star wars than i do so uh i'm gonna go ahead and let them introduce themselves starting off with alex how you doing buddy hey I'm Alex from Star Wars Explained. Got my scotch, ready yes. to talk Andor. Very excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for being on here. Uh, Chase? Um, I'm Chase, a.k.a. That Gay Jedi. I do not have scotch, but, you know, <laughs> imperfect. I'm winning L.A. fashion. I have a, a, a CBD juice. So <laughs> but I'm very excited to be here with you all. Yeah, and you're, you're out in L.A. for a pretty cool reason. Yes. Yeah, I'm going to be attending the Willow premiere, which is really exciting. I'm excited to see some new stories from Lucasfilm. Oh, it's really fun. Awesome. And then uh, last but not least, we've got Lauren from Most Things Kenobi. Hi, thanks for having me back on. I'm excited to be on. I just have uh, regular water because if I were to drink anything alcohol, I would not be able to make a coherent <laughs> sentence. <laughs> so I'm just going to have pure water. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Well, let's just let's jump right into this. Um, Andor, in my opinion, I think was probably one of the most unique pieces of like Star Wars content when it came to the cinematic universe. Um, I think the, the 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 other piece of content that comes close to that is is Rogue One, and this felt very similar to that. They shot this in a very similar lens. The tone was very much the same. I mean, i.e., we have a character that we all know and love from from that film. So. Um, why do you think they they went the route they did? They they changed this so different from the formula of other Star Wars shows. And why why do you think they they had to go the route that they did? I think it's just time to add some more variety into the mix. I mean, as a fan of Star Wars books for a long long time, this reminded me so much of reading something like X Wing, where we took a step back from the huge mythological Star Wars story and focused on you know, the normal people that make up the rebellion, even though the X-Wing books eventually, Cornhorn wound up being a Jedi. Okay, but for a while, they were all normal <laughs> soldiers. And I really love stories like that. So I, I think that's maybe why they 
went that route just to do something experimental, see how people responded to it. I feel like this, I feel like this show sort of is unique in its sort of politicalness in the Disney era specifically in visual, like, you know, visual Star Wars stories. I feel like we haven't had this sort of political of a Star Wars story in the Disney era. I think it's really unique in that way, but also in its, um, the stakes of this story are super applicable to the world we live in now. So like, that's also something that is unique in it. Like, like a lot of, you know, the, the stakes of the Darksaber and Din Djarin aren't necessarily the most applicable to our daily lives. The stakes yeah. are definitely there in other shows. Um, but I just think the stakes being applic- applicable to our, our lives are, are really, really is what makes this show stand out as a unique thing for me. Do you think it was like, the lack of having the stereotypical Star Wars material, i.e. like lightsabers and force powers. Do you think like that's what ends up making this more relatable? Because that's that's definitely one thing that I picked out a lot was like I felt like I could put myself in those shoes. Like I, it felt more tangible to me. It felt like more real. Yeah, it it is. I think there is a certain element of sort of its pedestrianness that we can really relate to and see ourselves in a lot more easily than like in armor with a giant glowing sword. But I do think um, I think it I think it's just it's a product of its time. You know, I was in an Uber yesterday and and this guy we were just talking about wild things like wild things about about the state of the world. I don't want to get too much into it, but it was like I was like, I never would have had a conversation about these really like gnarly heady topics with anyone let alone like an uber driver just like driving down the street so it's like a really interesting i feel like this show is a direct reflection just sort of of the time in which it's being made and also the time in which like we're consuming it you know i think it just hits different because like of the year we're in and the time it's premiering too which is like sort of like a meta way to sort of speak on that show's uniqueness definitely feel like this show is making a specific statement diego luna and tony gilroy were very vocal about we're going to tell a story, and if Disney doesn't approve, we're not telling the story. It's it's kind of one or the other. And I'm just honestly really shocked that Disney did go forward with some of the stuff that they wanted to portray. And, and I think it's amazing. I, I think it's time for some of this stuff. And I do think that removing the Jedi, like the Jedi and all of the, the Force, it's aspirational for the audience. You know, like we wish we could be that. Seeing Andor, these are regular people doing some heroic things and some less than heroic things. It it puts it in a more realistic perspective for just the regular people. Like we could be like that. I, I thought it was really refreshing. Yeah, for sure. I, I really like two of the things that you just said. Of that, yeah, we wish we could be Jedi, but then Andor comes along and it says, "No, you can be this." Like yeah. so many speeches in it, you're just like hell yeah, like I'm going to go kick some doors open. I, I, don't, I can do anything. I can take on the whole empire myself. Um, but I also think that you mentioning that Tony Gilroy like knew what he wanted to say. I was looking at the 2020 um, sizzle reel they released with concept art and stuff. And I'm like, you can point to every single one of those pieces almost and be like, okay, that's the Aldani heist and that's them escaping Ferrix. And that, I do think that this was meticulously planned whereas many of the star wars movies uh have been in such flux during their production it's refreshing to see something that is like this is the story we know how we're telling it and it was consistent all the way through yeah i heard an interview with diego luna and he was talking about how tony gilroy won't even start writing until he knows what the set is going to (laughs) be so 
every detail of like someone sits here, someone puts a cup there. He writes that in because he knows the set design is already mm. pre-established. That's so cool. And like, and that was a big thing for them. Just like, just thinking about like set pieces and whatnot, like they use a lot of practical, you know, they didn't use the volume for really any of it. You know, they, it was all practical settings and, and it was, I think that was, that added to that level of connection. You know, you like, you know, seeing the ISB headquarters, like I, I was like, oh, I could walk down that hallway. Like that made, like that felt real to me. I, I love the volume. I really do. But yeah. I love that Andor, that they used some LED technology. They talked about like with the Coruscant windows and stuff, but I love that they were like, no, we're going to use it when it's appropriate. Whereas Kenobi, I think just unfortunately because of the pandemic, they were more forced into using it. And it's just, you can tell that that's not the tool for every job. And so seeing Andor pick and choose when it was going to use what visual effect uh, felt great. Yeah. And it, I feel like, Alex, you kind of talk about this a lot with, with your content. It's just this idea of like, we're starting to see a lot more of a variety in Star Wars. And so like what might feel really unique right now, it might not feel as unique dozens of years from now you know what i mean once we have a lot of content coming out from star wars and lucasfilm because you know with something like the mcu you have so much to choose from so like there like, you know there's certain things that like pop off as like pretty unique every once in a while but yeah they have so much you know content that it that it um that there's less of like we you know we we're so used to basically just like a certain formula so it's really fun to break out of that and i think it kind of also goes back to why it's so easy to see ourselves in it because it just feels so real and it feels so um just physical that kind of leads to like one of the things that was really surprising to me during all of this was really the the lack of chatter about andor um you know during during the time that it was out it was up against so many other things um but i don't i still don't know if that was the big reason as to why it didn't do it didn't perform as well as other shows that have come out do you guys um have any, any any thoughts as to why we think that it just wasn't as attractive as like a, a mando or even an obi-wan i think there are a ton of reasons <laughs> i would love right. to hear him yeah, well moving into the series i saw a ton of people saying like you know why do we need this to ask for this which i those arguments always annoy me mm -hmm. but just the fact that it's a it's a lesser known character um where he Diego Luna was in Rogue One, what, six years ago? Yeah. And he wasn't even, he was like the co-lead with Jin. And it, he's not an Obi-Wan Kenobi. He's not Boba Fett or even the Mandalorian who was wearing uh, some cool armor. Yeah. And we can't underestimate the juggernaut of Baby Yoda and how much people went crazy for that. Yeah. <laughs> I also think just the fact that it's a different genre. They said it was experimental. It's for a not- every star wars fan i would say like a kid could watch it but i completely understand if they'd be like oh, that, eh, yeah this, no this it's, it's dark it's a dark it's star dark. wars show like it, it's it's not as accessible and just exciting to a younger fan the the one thing that i that i keep coming back to and and as we developed more into the show and as we got farther along it, i i felt like it was less about cassian and the name shouldn't have been andor I wish it would have it like because this show was is is about the rebellion. It's about the the spark of hope and the building of this rebellion against the empire. And it and it captures so many people outside of just Cassian's character. 
Um, you know, like the whole Mon Mothma story arc, in my opinion, is phenomenal. I love her. I love this whole like dirty money and like back alley gambling stuff that's going on. It's it's so cool. It's great. Like it's like very mafioso. Um, and so like for me, like that's that's really frustrating because I feel like if it wasn't called Andor, I feel like it, it would have attracted more people. I understand why you say that, but I also a thought occurred to me the other day that Andor Cassian is the one who's there at Eldani. And he's there to steal the Death Star plans. Mm-hmm. He's basically really essential to the rebellion, even getting off the ground to begin with. Aldani was successful because of him. And then he died getting the Death Star plans that then led to Luke Skywalker being able to do his magical thing. So <laughs> I thought it was, it's true. He kind of like wasn't always the central character, but he is central to the success of the rebellion. Even oh, most definitely. Having a foundation. And that I thought, I kind of almost wish that they would point that out a little more since it is the the character. He's the main title character, but yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. That's a great point though. I think that I, I mean, I'm curious to see if they kind of lean into that into in season two, because for me, the, I feel like this show is really making him more of a hero in the star Wars, like universe and like the hero that he's deserved to be like, mm-hmm. because of everything that we saw him go through in rogue one, it's really kind of building out a story and like letting him be this iconic, like a new iconic, like hero that we get to see from sort of bookending uh, the rebellion. But then it also what it does, I think that's really why I think it's really appropriate that this show is named Andor is it show it's showing the politis the politicization of Cassian and it's something that happens to so many people throughout the galaxy and it's something that is obviously instrumental in like building a rebellion so it's like he's like a microcosm of this sort of politicization of the entire galaxy you know what I mean he's kind of like this one individual specific example of that I also think that the name is appropriate at the end of the day I also think they could have titled it something else. I mean, Star Wars just has kind of an issue of calling things Obi-Wan Kenobi or Thrawn <laughs> or Ahsoka or like they do that in the books, the comics, everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I imagine Tony Gilroy being like, what if we called it Star Wars Rebels? That's what? That's a cartoon? Can't do that. Okay. <laughs> like, that... <laughs> I will say, though, that for the viewership side of things, um, it on my own channel, my experience was the first few episodes were like, I, w- I was surprised that, oh, this is not getting a huge reaction, mm-hmm. uh, even less than I was expecting. I was like, it's not going to be as big as Obi-Wan Kenobi or The Mandalorian. But week after week, it it like got exponentially bigger. I think mm-hmm. it just needed uh, to give some people some time to get over that hurdle, the mini hurdles of like, I don't know, different genre, not sure about this character. But then once word of mouth happened, uh, I saw just as much talk online about it, engagement on my channel. Again, like mm-hmm. this is just in my little bubble experience, but I do think that people became more and more interested in it. Yeah, I was getting kind of frustrated that people weren't liking it at first because um, everyone was saying it's really slow at the mm-hmm. beginning. And what I I went and rewatched it because um, I studied film in college, so I was I was looking at each scene, and I realized you can't take a single scene out they're a domino. So if you pull out a scene, something happens in that scene that affects a scene further down the line. That's it's so deliberate. They're telling such a deliberate story and they don't need it to be fast that they don't need to impress you. They don't care. They're just plotting away. And that first scene with Cassian looking for his sister, 
it's not like Mandalorian where we kind of like get going kind of slow. We kind of get an established idea. That scene, the very first scene is tying Cassian's history to his future. Yeah. He lost his sister and that, that whole trauma leads up to this point. And he makes a terrible mistake there, which changed the entire trajectory of his life afterwards. They start at a crux yeah. and no other Star Wars show does that. I, I like what you say about it. I guess it does feel a little bit slow in the setup, but yeah, every scene is essential. I've been feeling like, you know, this storytelling is so efficient, maybe even like too efficient in that I wanted more scenes with Mon Mothma. I wanted more scenes with Clem Andor, but they showed you everything that you needed to see. So it's like, I got enough scenes of everyone and it always left me wanting more, which is way better than being like, okay, I'm tired of this. I didn't get enough Andy Circus. I'm just gonna go ahead oh, and yeah. say that. Like, yeah. it, I just I was really <laughs> hoping that he was just gonna carry on because he quickly became like one of my favorite characters. I'm so mad that he we didn't get to see if he jumped or like did he just stay there on the platform? Did he drown? He's I don't. Snoke. He's gonna be Snoke. Yeah, dude. That's what I kept saying too. Like every time there was a couple of times, like program. I'm like that's Snoke. That's Snoke. <laughs> so good. But like, man, that was another big thing too. Is like there were some like some big actors that kind of just showed up that I wasn't really expecting. Like, and Andy Serkis is definitely one of them. I was just like, holy crap! And he brought it. Oh my god! Like I feel like everybody brought their A game as a performance. Like there wasn't a single performance I was like. Like every everyone did a really really good job, even little bit parts. Go ahead. Yeah, please. this I was just to say this show is like the the tightest like Star Wars television program I've ever seen. Like it's like and it's almost like it's almost so funny because I almost have this experience sometimes of watching Andor where I'm like, don't you just want to slip up once, you guys? Like, don't you just want to throw out an extra scene? Like, can't we just let you know what I mean? Like it's it's almost like because I love that you know Star Wars is like does have so many elements of like camp and pulp that like tend to be a little bit messier in narrative and like an execution. And so it's almost like so wild to watch something that is so pristinely tight. You know what I mean? Like fresh, fresh out of the Botox um, clinic. <laughs> it's true. There's like, there's nothing in this show to like, ironically, the yes. everything, everything in yes. here is just great. And there's, there's nothing that like years from now will be like, oh, it's that goofy thing from Andor. <laughs> I do love the scenes though, where they show uh, the people who work for Cyril, like shoveling food into their mouths before he gets up to their desk and like eating noodles out of a container that I just loved those little hyper realistic, but also like really funny because the, there's so much tension in the show to have those little moments was like such a relief sometimes. <laughs> You guys feel like the ISB being like the overarching um, antagonist was was perfect for the show. Do you feel like like that was like that was the correct bad guy to have? I think yeah. so. I think so because it also kind of like provides a really beautiful foil for like a, a rebellion forming. You know what I mean? It's kind of like it's like this a big body of people as opposed to like one person or a couple people. And I think it also. Um, I kind of forgot what I was going to say, but oh oh, I think it also I think it really does a good job of building out. Um, other Star Wars projects, specifically Star Wars Rebels, is like seeing the ISB in this way really makes Rebels scenes hit differently and Rebels characters and other characters from the ISB across Star Wars, I think, hit a little bit more real for me, at least. Uh, Kevin and I kept going back and forth if we were going to see a, a Thrawn pop up. I'm kind of glad like they the... didn't do any of that, though. Yeah, like, let the show I, stand I, on its own. I don't feel like there was really any fan service in any of this. Like, it didn't feel like they had to pull material from another show to kind of like appease people. 
Um, you know, like Melchie like, was the most fan service. Yeah, but there wasn't there wasn't like in other in other shows where we like we had like a cameo appearance from like somebody else, you know, or like you know like we're borrowing from another show just for an episode or two. Like it just like it had so much material to just to stand up on its own, which was really just really just enjoyable. Like I again like I don't think I I I sat through any episode where I was like eh we could have done without that one. Like everything like it it hit its mark and it made sense like why we were getting like this episode for that for that for that week it all they, felt they, right they did a great job of including yeah stuff like melshi or uh colonel e. Lauren when he yeah, popped up i mean that was like it's something that no one who doesn't know who e. Lauren is they're not going to feel lost they're just like okay here's someone else that even part is kind of like cowering down to it's like there's always a bigger fish uh you e. Lauren was used so perfectly mm-hmm. so I, I think that they handled their fan service very well and very naturally is there anything that even even though there wasn't a fan service like big fan service moments like do you were there any any moments in the show where it was like man that felt like star wars or like that was like like that like that going back and watching the original trilogy again like can you think of a scene where you're like oh that was just that's fantastic the eye jumps out that was, was so oh that. my god what a cool what a just that sequence was so cool and then like the tie fighter pilots jumping into their tie fighters that was very like you always see the pilots jumping into their aircraft their spacecraft and that was really like a callback to a new hope even yeah as like a prequels kid like just the underwater shot of like valence into like swimming under the water i'm like absolutely <laughs> absolutely into it the whole episode was like and that whole arc was filled with so many moments and also niamos like really hit for me like i was just like down from the music obviously but even just like seeing that little alien with the little slurper thing and like everyone yeah. on the beach like that was so uh that was like such a star wars moment for me to watch yeah space florida was really cool <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> that's all I could think of was like Boca Raton. Like that's like that's where it was. Like the old the old aliens that were sitting there and like they're all fried from being in the sun. Like that was just so good. It was fantastic. I, I loved all the names that people fans made up for that planet before we knew it was Niamos. Yeah, Space Florida, Tampa Four, stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> Go off, Star Wars fans. <laughs> I, I do think that the moments of camp though did really hit hard because they i don't know if they avoided it maybe they did but there weren't that many aliens in it so when uh dewey and freedy showed up in episode 11 the so cool yeah Yeah. like the those moments hit even harder and they like actually meant something and they were so goofy but still uh delivered their message well that all that they're like hey yeah and like what empire won't be killing you today hey yeah (laughs) I uh I, I think any any of the scenes with Luthan in it I just really enjoyed. I really liked that character. Um, you know, like his his ship was really, really cool. The Falcon was just like that that whole the the AI, like all of that was really neat. When he got pulled in by the tractor beam and he used like it felt very James Bond, like it felt like it was like the space version of an Aston Martin. And like him throwing out just like shrapnel out the back and like blowing up the uh, the tractor beam dish and just things like that. Like that was that to me was very Star Wars, but it was so it was so different. You know, it was just so unique. Um, it definitely felt like that. Like a- any any of these these moments, like Luthen was very much so like James Bond or like Born Identity. Um, he was he was definitely a character that I wasn't sure about when he first showed up. 
But as it progressed and he kept on coming back, I was like, yeah, this, this guy's cool. I want to know more about him. And then we get to the end. I had no idea how that was going to flip with him. He was, he, he was so, he was so chaotic neutral, like the entire time you had no idea what, what to expect from him. Yeah. And it really made me sort of curious, even more curious for like this whole, like the intensity around the pact everyone made. I would like to know what that meeting was like. I would like to know what this pact is. I want to know like the the terms and conditions because it, it really, I mean, it really was like you said, the chaotic neutral energy that he brought where it's like, what are you actually here to do? Like, are, you know, it's, it's so I hope they explore that a lot um, down the line. The The pact. Yeah, for sure. Again, it's something that they they sprinkle that in and they said it enough times that I'm like, but they're going to follow up on this, right? But also they they let fans fill in the gaps a lot and read between the lines and just figure things out. And it's like, okay, we all know that these people took a vow. And yeah, I want to know what it is, but I think for the story, we know enough. Uh, but I, I do hope that as we continue on, Luth, especially now that Cassian is with Luth and he might be like, you have to take this vow. It's a thing we all do. <laughs> and I, and then I promise I won't try to kill you. Yeah, there's blood. We have to shake hands. It's wild. <laughs> <laughs> so as, as the Star Wars fan base, like, seems to get older, I mean, like, when, when Clone Wars, the, like, the new animated Clone Wars came out, we get into Rebels and things like that, like, that, the fan base is getting older. Like, do you, do you think the, the darker Star Wars shows, do you think we're going to, do you feel like this is a formula for success? Do you think we're going to see more of these shows as we as we move along with uh, like Disney Plus and even in going in back into movies at some point soon? I think there's definitely an industry for it. There's a call for it. People have been wanting a more adult version of Star Wars for a long time. I mean, I always think of Battlestar Galactica. If they would just take Battlestar Galactica's intensity and and realistic violence and put that in Star Wars, it would have been mind blowing. And this is kind of like that. They I do think that some fans are tired of them pretending it's for kids. Like even Clone Wars, we did an episode of our show called A Kid Show Really, because like there's heads on platters and, you know, (laughs) really horribly traumatizing kind of loss. I always think of like Saw Gerrera and Stila, like how he watched, he caused her death, you know, that kind of stuff. So I think there is a place for both kinds of storytelling in Star Wars, especially as they continue to expand, the universe is going to get bigger and bigger. I think there is the opportunity to, especially with the Sith, I mean, like they're real evil people. (laughs) Like let them lean into it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean like Vader in Kenobi was the first time I was actually like very afraid of Vader. They let him have that edge that he had never had before. And I think a lot of people really liked that. And so, yeah, I think there's... I think force choking someone down the street was probably like the most, like was right up there with like him pinning a pers- uh, person to the ceiling. Exactly. I mean, like that was like, that was cool. I mean, like that's definitely Disney, like letting go the, of the reins a little bit. I mean, like, okay, like let's see how dark we can push it. I mean, like a- Andor starts off with him assassinating someone, essentially. Like he just like point blank just shoots a guy. Like that was dark. I was yeah. so surprised by that. I think this show does a really good job though of like, it has those dark moments, but there's so much intention in like in those dark moments that they're not just violence for violence sake, right. which I think is a really interesting thing that Star Wars 
has started to do. It's like, it's, it's really to highlight character to highlight like really important beats in their life. Like for example, that first moment we see Cassian put a gun to someone's head, blasted up someone's head. It's like, it's, so wild and i i mean i will speak for myself like watching that moment i was like okay is this like the first time he's really taken someone's life you know it really felt like a huge shift for him and um and i think there's like a lot of intention in the way that they're incorporating things that are a little bit less like you know super child friendly but i think it really it really has like kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier too where it it shows that Star Wars can bring you in in more, in more ways than just one. And, you know, it's not just through like a fun cartoon as even though, as Lauren, you pointed out, it's like not always the funnest thing. But, you know, there are other ways to get into Star Wars. And sometimes it is through these like high drama moments. And um, yeah, yeah. I absolutely think that Andor could be like a gateway Star Wars drug. I mean, I've got a, a friend who <laughs> he, he he watches Star Wars with me. Like he goes and sees all the new movies just because like he knows I love Star Wars. And uh, I go and watch all the Jurassic Park movies with him because he loved <laughs> Jurassic Park. And so I, I've been telling him about Andor and he's like, oh, my God, this actually sounds like something I would dig. So I, I think that there's a way that people can come into Star Wars, like Chase says, uh, as adults and not necessarily as kids. Uh, and there's definitely still a market for this. I I like watching Star Wars animation quite a bit, but I always yeah. kind of go into it with the mindset of, you know, I'm not the target audience. That's okay. I like Star Wars. I'm just going to watch it. It was really nice to watch something and not have to put on any kind of mindset. Like this yeah. is made for someone my age and I can just enjoy it as an adult. And I, I do hope that they continue doing that. And they can still make the Bad Batch and the Young Jedi Adventures. They like Star Wars can be all of these things at the same time. Alex, do you feel like this is going to be um, a way that they'll they'll do Acolyte as well? Do you think Acolyte will be kind of lean on how they shot Andor to kind of keep that dark lens or like that dark tone? I, I was going to bring that up because oh, okay, Lauren brought up the Sith, so that's yeah. that's perfect. And yeah, I think the Acolyte is going to deal with the Sith. We've seen one behind-the-scenes photo so far, and it it's on a set, so it already kind of gives you that and/or feel. I think this just a complete guess that it will find a balance between Andor and the Mandalorian. Like, mm -hmm. I don't think that it's gonna skew so far away from the pulp, just because Leslie Headland has talked about how big of a fan she has been growing up. She was really into the tabletop games, so I think she wants to inject probably more aliens and wackiness yeah but it's also like a an investigation mystery suspense thriller so yeah. it's gotta have an edge to it so i i do think it's probably gonna be a little more pulpy than andor but it will probably lean that direction and that's appropriate with the dark side involved um, I really, okay. Well, first and foremost, I like this, this show is already my personality and I hate that. Like, I'm not someone who like gets like, I'm not usually someone who gets as stoked as I am for this show. So I do think that like this, this is, um, sort of a precursor to like how we can see the Sith, you know, in more violent ways. Um, but it's also a totally like, you know, a totally different project with different people on it. So I'm trying to keep those ex expectations tempered, but yeah. Leslie Headland is like a, hor a huge horror fan too. And she's incredibly like yeah. well-versed in horror. And I'm like, the fact that this is like a mystery thriller moment and Leslie Headland's directing it. And she's like a queer woman. So there's some element of camp, you know, that is going to flash. It's like, <laughs> yeah. So I'm just like, I definitely think it's going to be, 
a little bit of that blend like you're talking about alex um but yeah i, I really hope she leans into the horror side of things too i think Same. we will see some really like like um good moments with that yeah like if we get like sith tombs and like ghosts yes and things like that. Like, yes oh God, and so maybe many, some like, night sisters i'm like really yes. open. oh yes. my God. Yes. most, most definitely or two yeah please <laughs> well and, and to look at andor a little more you see that you can pull off like really dark intense horrifying stuff without it being r-rated or graphic yeah like bix's torture scene was a nightmare holy shit but it's not visually graphic you don't no. even get to hear it but you're still like poor bix and you see but the you after could, you could hear so. it in your head the way that they, exactly. they described it oh my gosh i didn't even want to hear it and you yeah. just got like little bits and pieces like i don't want to hear a massacre that sounds terrifying <laughs> absolutely crazy all right so i'm gonna ask this and, and lauren i'm gonna start off with you do you have an episode that just really stands out to you it's just like damn that was that was really good um the eldani episode really the heist episode really affected me in a positive way okay. um it was really exciting and i'm I like to write stories and I've been watching Star Wars a long time. I have a tendency to be able to predict stuff just by like the trailers that come out. I have no idea. I had no idea what was coming with the show. I, and the people who died, they just got left behind and they never talked about them ever again. Like I really appreciated the kind of ruthless efficiency they used with their storytelling. Cause I couldn't predict a single thing about it. So it was so fresh. It's so fun. And I was scared to death. I didn't know how the heist was going to turn out. And I wasn't sure who was going to live. You knew they weren't all going to live. So it was um, that one. I really, and oh my gosh, when Nimic died, I literally just went, <gasps> I, I was invisible shock like multiple times throughout the episode. I loved that. But I will also say the episode where Cassian gets taken to Narkina 5, really left me feeling very low because it was so well done yeah it was just so deeply hopeless and not just his story like every single plot that they were kind of navigating around in that episode that was when i wrote something on tumblr saying that andor isn't just a warning it's a mirror to our own society and our possible potential lives and yeah. that left me feeling really affected which to me is really telling that it's an excellent it's excellent storytelling to feel so moved by something so those two episodes in particular stuck out to me Chase. for me it was really the the prison break uh was wild i mean i think that episode was one of my favorites i found it to be the one i really just couldn't hold it together like i my body wouldn't stop crying so i think it was really that because to see cassie and sort of learn these systems of oppression in such an intimate way and for us to see the prison as this sort of like micro of the macro of like the yeah. empire and the way it's enforcing these systems of oppression across you know so many um, planets and systems um i think that for me really was like the the moment of the whole series i think also it just had so many great moments like obviously that i can't swim we could have talked about that earlier like so heartbreaking but so it's i mean then you go back and you watch at the beginning it's like really i mean this guy has like nothing to lose and then he has everything to gain in terms of like what is he doing with his life he really gets to kind of grab that um kind of grab that and so 
it was that it was also the visual of like the everyone like swimming out of like this empire shaped yeah. building and like sort of like these just like white doves so peaceful it's like it was so chaotic inside that super hyper controlled environment because like as nemic says that kind of control and power is so unnatural you know what i mean and yeah. then have this shot which is so peaceful and quiet just kind of from the clouds and you're just quietly watching these like beautiful little white birds fly away it was just ugh, it was insane that was that was my favorite i love that that was so good alex it's a tough choice between 10 and 12 uh because 10 i don't remember the last time i've been just so hyped up like i want to run around screaming one way out uh <laughs> that, that speech that he delivers is so stirring i love a good montage of like people escaping even in bad movies like if you've ever seen the island like oh yeah that scene at the end yeah i'm like yeah let's go clones you did it <laughs> but, like, that's how it felt um but 12 oh my god it, it was just the perfect finale and it brought so many story threads back full circle and to go from like nimic's manifesto speech and then 10 minutes later you have marva's speech and <sighs> i like i've never been so terrified for anyone as when tigo was like walking towards b2 emo i was afraid he was going to shoot him or something and but like just the flip and the immediate action just no one hesitated brasso's like kicking you when it happened i i just said oh you're dead because i knew and before the words <laughs> left my mouth brasso had incapacitated three people yeah. so that that transition into action was amazing uh it, it this, episode 12 i guess i have to just say that's my favorite one but it's it's my favorite because of everything that happened before yeah. so it, it 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 feels so hard to pick one favorite episode you're right i mean like there's it 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 got to a point where like every week on twitter i was like that was a banger oh, that yeah. was good. every like, episode was... i was like that's my favorite one now mm -hmm. and then the next episode would come out like no it's this one <laughs> yeah no it's like yeah so i would have to agree with you. i think 10 and 12 are like probably like the best uh like if you really have to look at it like there's the 12 was just like it, it wrapped up so perfectly you're right like it brought everything together it was a it was a beautiful bow um and marva's just like that 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 speech was just goosebumps man oh my god like that entire thing it was just like that is that's it like that was that's what kicked it off um the, 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 even the manifesto like those those lines were just all of it like it was just so good you know it was just it was a beautiful way to just like clean that up and it definitely left me wanting more. And I think that's what was so good about it is like when you when you get to a season finale, you're like, okay, that was cool. You're like, damn, I wish that went on for just like 30 more minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was um I watched the premiere and then I kind of I mean the, the finale and I didn't really have anyone to talk to about it in my real life because I was at home for for the holidays and like no one no, I'm the only one who watches Star Wars. And um, but I was I, I kind of pulled my mom aside. I was like, Mom, I just like need to I need to read this to you. And this is days after I watched the finale. Um and I kind of read some of the notes from the manifesto that were spoken. I read some of Marva's speech and I was like <laughs> so embarrassed because I just started crying and it was like I could even get through reading these words off of a paper and I was like I wasn't performing them I was just trying to read her like oh, isn't this good writing you know what I mean and it was yeah. just I couldn't I couldn't hold it together by the end of it I was like I was like oh my god I was like it's just so powerful it's so well written and I also just have to also highlight the just the shot and like moment of Dejoy getting like dragged around by those people and dead. the panic on her like that was so incredible because we've never seen like I mean 
any any baddie sort of like dragged that way in such a way where they're like so, uh, to go from a character that is so in control to someone that is like so clearly has no ounce of control was like wild to see her hyperventilating in the back and she's like i guess i should say thank you i'm just like oh, I, was, I didn't know it was gonna happen it was, it was so good um so so we we have come to the end of the season uh with a, a, fen- a phenomenal finale um where do we go in season two like how do we how do we how do we go from there to when we meet up with cassian at in in rogue one i mean it just feels like there's like for me when i when i thought about andor i was like there's no way they can come up with all this stuff to 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 make this character appealing and fun and then take us up to rogue one like there i just i couldn't think of anything and i'm i'm so happy that i was so wrong about this um, I have absolutely no idea what they could do for season two because it feels like they it feels like they pulled all the stops out. Like it just I have no idea. What do you think, uh, Chase? Um, well, one thing that I really hope that they uh, that they introduce and they might not and I won't care. But like, I think it'd be really fun if we got to spend some time on Jetta and see sort of some like early early things with like the not the kybers but with mainly with um with saw Gerrera and sort of see his because you know i read the guardians of the wills book and everything and Mm -hmm. it was really fun to sort of see his involvement in jetta before rogue one and i think it would be a really interesting way to sort of tie the show in with rogue one a little bit more deliberately if that's something they're they're seeking to do and i think that a character like saw Gerrera would be perfect to see because even he's full full radical you know by the time he's on jetta so i think that would be a really really fun way to sort of you know continue to show um the empire's oppression and like you know um just taking over these these towns and these cultures and and obliterating them and using them so i think that would be really a fun thing is, is kind of bringing jetta into it but you know that's one thing i'd like but whatever I love how Saw Gerrera continues to just show up in all different types of medium for Star Wars. I think he's in video games, he's in comic books, he's in animated shows, he's in live action. Like he's just he's all over it, but he works. Like it's not just like oh Ahsoka's here, you know. It's just like no, like no, I get why Saw is here. You know, he might be swinging on a vine and riding an ATAT in uh, <laughs> but I mean like it worked. You know, he's like oh yeah, freedom fighter. Of course he'd be there. Um, you know, so like that's I, I really I really like when Forrest Whitaker just showed up on screen, I was like, holy shit, he's here again. Like it was it was so cool. <laughs> what do you think, Alex? Well, first of all, I'll say that I went from thinking that you know season two being a four year thing, and we're we're just gonna zip through the rest of the story. Yeah, I was like, that sounds neat. Now after seeing <laughs> season one, I'm like, don't do that. Yeah, <laughs> give me four more seasons, please. But okay, all right, I know that's what's happening, and I accept it. Uh, but I, I am like a little worried that there are so many things I want to see that I'm like, there's no way they can do everything, and they probably shouldn't. They should probably surprise me. But I'm over here like we we got to see an arc about K2SO. We should see Mon Mothma delivering the Gorman speech and going on the run. Uh, I want to see us get more and more into the known rebel alliance i do think we will probably see more quote cameos bail organa uh draven stuff like that but really what i think for cassian we'll see is that line that he tells to to jen before going to scarif is like i've done terrible things for the rebellion and now that he's with luthan i can totally see it's gonna get him going down that path yeah I mean, shooting Tibic in Rogue One is a very Luthan thing to do. Yeah. Like, I got to protect this information, and I have to escape, and I'm going to have to kill Tibic to do it. So, yeah, I, I want to see Cassian struggling with 
the the right way to fight this war, which I think Luthen represents the wrong way, and Mon Mothma represents the right way. So there might be like a angel devil on the shoulder. Not that Luthen is on the right side of the fight, but he's definitely the darker one. I was I was really surprised by Mon Mothma being in the show and how much I really enjoyed her presence. Like I didn't really think that I needed to know more about her and like her family life and like everything that she was going through like the just this, this emotional roller coaster that she is riding on with like trying to you know essentially live two lives um but i really really liked it i i didn't i just didn't think that was a character that i that i felt like i like knowing from like from the books and stuff she's really cool i just didn't think that all of her on-screen presence has been very like like very somber very seldom like she just kind of just she's very quiet and like this is she she's intense like she she has her moments where like you don't want to cross her like i could see her really you know messing somebody up just throwing her husband under the bus oh my god did that make you feel uncomfortable because it made me feel really uncomfortable for him because i know i was he was like i I know i've lied to you all these other times but this is the one time i'm telling you the truth (laughs) i feel bad for him kind of i feel like he's a dirtbag but at the same time, I, it was that that made me uncomfortable. I know he's going down for the thing he didn't do. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but it's the perfect setup. It was that was wild? That was really wild. I'm kind of also hoping that we see Hera pop up because I just feel like she's very important to all of this, you know, formation of the rebellion. And I also just would love to see a live action Hera with Mamatha at some point in my life. I feel like that is something I need spiritually. It's it's interesting. <laughs> I think we're gonna see. I, I do think we're going to see more familiar faces, but I think Tony Gilroy is probably going to write the story he wants to tell. Yeah. And then if certain characters fit, then it'll happen. Like I'm sure he wrote, and then major part boss comes in. He didn't write Wolfie Lauren steps yeah. into the room. No, Pablo Hidalgo <laughs> was like, this could be this person, Wolfie Lauren. He was like, I approve that. So if there is like room for, uh, the the mother of the Lothal group, then Hera can can make an appearance. I would love to see that as well. Like it's weird that we were all celebrating season one and how it's like very self-contained. But I am like the more we get into the Rebel Alliance, yeah, it's just gonna happen. So the question is who? The one thing that I that I hope that we see is um like Yavin. I would love to see Yavin four and like just see more of that and like how they built all that up. But um Lauren, what do you think? What do you think we're going to see in season two? Well, um, I've read an interview with Tony Gilroy recently where he said the last scene is Cassian going to be getting on the ship basically mm-hmm. to go, I think, meet Tivik, I think. Um, I would also, just like Alex, I really want to see K2. <laughs> yeah. I, I know it's in a cartoon or a, a comic book, but I'd really like to see in, in live action how they meet and start working together. Um. I don't think this is going to happen, but there is a possibility of seeing Galen Erso and Orson Krennic. We've seen now that Cassian was building the Death Star, the laser that eventually killed that him. That was so good. It was so good and so deeply, sadly poetic. But <laughs> he was building the weapon that killed him. Like how? Like how crazy is that? Well, like... and, and I just finished reading the novelization of Rogue One, and he's particularly angry at Galen Erso for building this weapon of mass destruction, which now we know he also helped build with his own two hands, unknowingly, obviously, but um, there's a part of me that would love to see like Jin, you know, in her area at this time period, but I I don't think we will see that. From what I read, they 
they're going to use the Death Star as like a looming um, yeah. evil, but no one yet really knows that it exists. So right. that's yeah. Cassian is trying to figure that out at the mm -hmm. beginning of Rogue One. So they probably won't be using it, honestly, in season two very much. But I do want to see the things that um, <laughs> he regrets in Rogue One. I think that yeah. that will add. To, and because by the time he kills Timic, he kind of is at that tipping point where he knows he has to, but he really didn't feel good about doing that. And he's starting to realize that the ends don't justify the means so much. And I'm, I'm interested to watch him get to that point. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot of material that I hope that they, they maybe will pull from with catalyst. Really mm -hmm. love that book. That book is like one of my favorites when it comes to just like learning more about just like how the empire was operating. And, and a lot of it plays off of like what we see in Andor, like them stripping his home planet. Like they, mm -hmm. they definitely touch on that a lot of like the empire going through and just mining the crap out of these planets and just leaving it all barren and dead. Um, and so like for, to, the, to that point, I hope we get to learn more about his sister um, and see if like, is that really going to be like a really pit, like critical part to his storytelling? Or was that kind of just like a, um, was the whole him looking for his sister, was that just the, the, the piece that we needed to kind of push him into like Luthen's arms, essentially, to get him into like b helping build the rebellion, or will she actually continue to be like this overarching like thing that he continues to chase in the next season? I would always thought it would have been really brutal but awesome if she turned out to be Deidre. <laughs> oh my god, that would have been such a crazy flip, right? But it, I don't oh. think it makes any sense. <laughs> but I think that would be an if I was writing this story, that's how I would do it. That would be wild. <laughs> I really enjoyed Deidre a lot. I thought that was, it was a very, very fun character. And I loved watching her kind of just like move up the ranks so quickly. Um, mm -hmm. And how she was just very quick to just like, the, the way that she went about doing things, I really, I really liked her, her process and how she handled it. She didn't, she didn't come across as douchebag like everybody else in ISB. She was very much like by the books, but she got her way, but she got things done efficiently and she was really good at her job. I, I think it's a testament to the, oh, go ahead, Chase. I was just gonna say, I was just gonna say, interacting too. You go ahead, Alex. <laughs> I I think it's just a testament to the writing of the the way that she is introduced and established as being around all these other ISB douches, as you say, and she is uh, punching within her weight class or up. Yes, and she's like trying to prove herself. She is presented as an underdog. Yeah. It makes you root for her a little bit, even though you're like, I know she's an empire, and I shouldn't, <laughs> until she gets to uh, Ferrix. And then she's torturing Bix with a smile on her face. And you're like, oh, my God, like, I got to stop rooting, <laughs> rooting for her. I was rooting for the bad guy the whole time. And not to mention, like, in one of her first scenes, Partagaz says, like, your uh, detention numbers on Seb Talk are very impressive. It's like she's always been yeah. in, like, detention and torture. And they tell you that, but you don't get to see it until episode nine. And you're like, oh, my God, I got to reevaluate so much. <laughs> <laughs> It was it was really wild just to like to see the the flip side of Star Wars. Like we don't get to see like the 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 dark stuff, the stuff that we've always wanted to see, and like now that we've seen it, I just I want more of it. Like this, like for me, and, and we continue talking about it, and like this is kind of like I feel like the theme for for this roundtable is like this is like the perfect content for us. You know, it was like it, it covered all of the stuff that we've either read about or talked about or fantasized about. But we were like, we're never going to get this. We're never there. There's no way they're ever going to show this. And it, and it scratched all those little itches that I was looking for. Like, I didn't I didn't really think that I needed to see Coruscant life as much as I did. But I really appreciated seeing Coruscant life as much as I did. 
you know, again, I'm going to keep on bringing up the ISB. I love that we were just in there. Like, that was so damn cool for me. Like, that was really enjoyable for me. Uh, and so, like, I, I really, really hope that this is something that we continue seeing because, God damn, it was just, it was a great 12 episodes. And I, I, I don't feel like, I feel like we could have gotten more. Like, do you, do you feel like, like 12, like 24 altogether is, is enough to really, like, <laughs> to, to get this story across? Because now seeing the full picture, this entire season, it really is more than just, like, this, this one story. Like, do you really feel like they're going to be able to do it all in just 24 episodes? Because I, I don't. I feel, I feel like there's more to be told with this, and it's frustrating for me. Uh, I, oh, I was no. just gonna say I think that I think that they will definitely. I think it's the, the mark of a really incredible project that they can make a show that is twelve episodes, and I still feel like there's so much more they could have like dug into more. And I know that they're gonna give us twelve episodes again, and I'm still gonna be like, there's more they can dig into. But and there there always will be, you know, it's Star Wars. There's so much to dig into. But I think the reason it feels like there's more to dig into is because they're putting so much into it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like because it is as clean as it is, and because it's as tight as it is, and because it's as rich as it is, we're gonna like we'll always be left wanting more. You know, it's just that I think it's just that rich. You know. I think the way that they've also leaned it up against, again, like the way you talked about it being leaned up against like real world events. I think that was also something that I didn't realize, like we've read about it in Star Wars, like medium, like we in, in the books and in, in the comics and things like that. But like, like seeing it, like knowing, knowing that like George Lucas, like based, you know, the empire off of, you know, Nazi Germany, like he's really started to get that vibe more. Like it really starts to kind of like present itself. Cause I feel like star Wars like started to like shy away from that for a while. Like they really didn't want it to feel like the empire was just a bad guy. Right. But this really it brought it all back. It really feels like the traditional, like how the empire is supposed to feel. And that's okay. It's okay to have like this, like it's not just a bad guy. It's like, this makes me feel uncomfortable. I like the way you say that it's it's not just a bad guy. It's like, no, it's a, it's a ton of bad guys. Like yeah. it's so many people. <laughs> They took the Empire and it used to be uh, TIE fighters and stormtroopers and a bunch of people in masks. But no, it's like we're seeing Dedra's smiling face as she mm -hmm. gleefully tortures, tortures Bix. And we're seeing all of the Imperial Army members. Not There are a few stormtroopers there, but it is all the people. And it's the kinds of people that make the Empire work and uh, allow it to thrive. Or the people like Cyril and Mosk who... Uh, think of themselves as being a part of it someday, and they they admire it. Uh, personalizing the evil of the Empire is a, a big thing that I think this show got right. Instead of making it all like, yeah, we have a Death Star and we blew up a planet, and it's like, that's unfathomable almost, mm -hmm. but like we can see the evil of the Empire on a personal level, and it's uh, terrible. I'm like more scared of the Empire now than I ever have been. Yeah, it's yeah. It, for for me, I, I I just it's really hard to to see this as like to see the full picture, you know, to see like what they really are gonna to bring in in season two. But man, I'm so excited, and it's so weird to say that. Like it's so weird to say that I'm excited for this because when when Andor is first announced, I definitely was not. I was not excited. I was like, there's no way this is gonna be fun. Uh, but but I'm really I'm really happy that you know it went the way that it did because goddamn, it's it it is it is I I confidently can say that this was my favorite star wars show or movie like anything like it's just like that this is this is the top for me so far and i and i loved obi-wan i thought obi-wan was was great uh but andor andor takes the cake i think it's nice to see like real life people as opposed to jedi because when 
in the others and obi-wan's a great example we didn't get that emotion from obi-wan until right at the very end and with someone like cassian he's a regular man just being put through the the grist mill basically and you see that emotion and he hugs people he touches people he laughs with people it's kind yeah. of refreshing to see like normal shows of emotion whereas the jedi are very like you know we can't yeah. have attachment and it's like can someone just have attachment and have like a normal <laughs> stop of lying grief? to yourself damn it <laughs> yeah it's like it's like the grief was so real and that makes it more tangible to us you know as, as viewers i i found that very and, and i'm not shit talking jedi because i obviously love jedi but um <laughs> i just found this really refreshing it was a nice new take yeah uh I guess I guess we're kind of like uh, wrapping this up, if you will. So, Chase, do you have like any any final thoughts on on Andor as a whole? Um, not really. I mean, I think it's I I think one thing I have been thinking about. I think the show season two right now is scheduled to premiere around the same time as like our next presidential election, and that's wild. Wow. Like that is wild, <laughs> and that's something that has been very much on my mind. Um, as season one has wrapped up and, you know, during the midterms and everything. So I'm, I'm really interested to see how that goes. You know, yeah. it's, it's been super, super wild to watch a show that is so unabashedly addressing very serious things that are happening in our world today. Um, and I'm interested to see how those things, you know, certain aspects of those things escalate, some deescalate and how they continue to resonate in, in a world and in a country where we'll be having a, a pretty important presidential election. So Alex, I'm now thinking that I hope that like the day before the election, B2 emo like pops up another message from Marva to be like, don't don't be asleep, go out there, <laughs> go out and vote. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I, I mean, I I agree with you. I think that Andor has engaged me on such a deep level that the other Star Wars series haven't. I, I'm still so excited to get back into the Mandalorian and just like the wild wacky fun of it all. Yeah, but. The, the way that we have been able to analyze this show has been so different instead of talking about like, this is Black Chrysanthemum and here's the comics <laughs> he was in and why he's important and like, blah, like which I love doing. Yeah. But instead I'm like talking about the prison system and everything that Andor has to say about it. It's been so different, but refreshing. Uh, it's also on the more fun side of things, giving given me B2 Emo, who is a treasure the time grappler who I'm waiting for his black series or Funko pop. Like it still has those little <laughs> glup shitto moments that I'm like, yeah, that that's also star Wars. So I, I love it to death. Uh, I, I can't say enough good things about it. I don't think I've stopped thinking about it since the finale. <laughs> I love that. We always end up getting a, a robot companion that we just completely fall in love with because like, I just, Oh my God, he's so cute. And the, the, like, his, I, I, inabil his inability to recharge, just get this, this is robot, a, a new battery system, goddammit. The <laughs> fact so that cute. we got, like, the, the Chihuahua of BD1, and now we have, like, the Golden Retriever of B2 Emo is so wonderful. I just, I just felt so bad for him the entire time. This poor guy just kept getting kicked down in the mud, and I just, I didn't know that we needed him, and he's just, he's adorable. But thank you guys so much for, for being a part of this roundtable. This was super fun. It's always great to, to be joined by... Uh, like-minded Star Wars fans. Uh, but if you guys would like to let our viewers know where they can find you, where you spend most of your time putting out content, uh, we'll start off with uh, Lauren. Where can people find you? 
you can find us on Instagram under most things Kenobi and then Twitter. I think we're MTK podcast. We're also on Tumblr, YouTube. We have a website, mostthingskenobi.com. Pretty much if you search for most things Kenobi, you will find us one way or another. <laughs> Alex, where can they find you and Molly? Uh, my wife and I run the YouTube channel, Star Wars Explained. We also have a Twitter for as long as that exists. And uh, we started a hive in <laughs> case it doesn't. Uh, we're on Instagram, <laughs> uh, TikTok. We're, we're on all the major social medias, but we're mostly on YouTube. And we do daily videos about Star Wars as new stuff comes out. And Chase, where can people find you? You can find me on YouTube as That Gay Jedi. Um, also on the Pink Milk After Dark podcast and live stream and the Fear Queers podcast. And sometimes you oh, can also find him cosplaying as Mark Hamill. Absolutely. I've just decided <laughs> that I'm just going to like manhandle every single one of Mark Hamill's most iconic looks for the rest of my life. I, just, I love that. He though. has wonderful <laughs> fashion moments. <laughs> you guys are going to end up doing a photo shoot together. I see this in your future make it happen <laughs> <laughs> and you can follow me on all things social media darkness 429 and head on over to raredrop.co to check out all of our podcasts that are there gcx all that head on over to raredrop.co thank you guys so much for watching and may the force be with you what's so special about hero bread soft fluffy and delicious breads buns and tortillas these ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.